Thank you, Ruth, and good afternoon, everybody. It's a peculiar passage, isn't it, to read. Um, we are in uh, the month of November, and every year in the month of November, a little bit apocalyptic, gloomy, and doomy. To understand this passage, we need to understand a little bit of the history and the context uh, in which it was first written and in which it was, uh, if you like, rediscovered and popularized uh, within the, uh, the worshipping life of the Jewish people. Uh, the book of Daniel, as you know, concerns the character of Daniel, the person who was uh, taken uh, in the exile from um, the courts and the elites of uh, the people of Israel uh, and taken with other nobles and officials to Babylon um, and to serve uh, the rulers of the Babylonian Empire. And we read first and then about Belshazzar uh, and the way in which Daniel was serving there. And Daniel was an exceptional character along with his um, friends Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in terms of keeping their witness, uh, their, their faithful witness to the God of Israel throughout their time in exile. Uh, and Daniel became known as somebody who had great wisdom and through God's power at work in him was also able to interpret and understand dreams and visions. And in fact, he was elevated to a high position uh, in the Babylonian court because of his expertise and his knowledge, which was above that of many of the um, magicians, sorcerers and enchanters and the like. So in Daniel chapter 8, what is going on? In the first half of the chapter... Uh, Daniel has a vision, and it's a vision uh, that is then interpreted in the reading that we have just had. And it's a vision of rams and goats and horns and princes and uh, destructive powers and forces. And it's a vision concerning the time of the end, we're told, the time of the end, verse 17. In other words, it's about how God will bring something to completion, how God will vindicate his people. Written probably in the 6th century, or the stories of Daniel originate from the time in uh, exile in Babylon in the 6th century, but rediscovered and popularized in the Jewish worshiping community in the 2nd century. In the 2nd century, when the Jews once again were undergoing great trial, great persecution, great oppression. And they were looking to uh, the stories of the past to give them comfort and hope and to see again the reassurances of God's promises and all that he would do. So what was going on in the intervening period from the uh, 6th century to the 2nd century in the ancient Near East? Well, to understand... Uh, this passage, we need to understand that at the time Daniel had the visions, he was in the Babylonian Empire. The Babylonian Empire was uh, taken over by Darius, uh, the Mede, and uh, the Medes were a, a people group connected with the Persians, so it was sometimes called a, a, a double, sort of uh, a two-horned empire. The Medes and the Persians succeeded again by Cyrus, who allowed the Jews to return to Israel, and we read about that in um, the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. Uh, and so this first um, this two-horned ram there, verse 20, represents the kings of Media and Persia who succeed, who take over from the Babylonians. Uh, then the shaggy goat is the king of Greece. They're referring there to Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great reigned in the 4th century. He was tutored by the Greek philosopher Aristotle. He was an extraordinary young ruler, um, didn't live very old, um, but conquered the whole of the Mediterranean basin. When he died, uh, his empire was split into four. 
To the shaggy goat, verse 21, is the king of Greece, Alexander. The large horn between his eyes is the first king. The four horns that replaced the one broken off represent the four kingdoms that emerge from his nation, but will not have the same power. So the, the, the Greek empire became divided into four different empires. This tracks down over the course of generations. And by the time you get to the second century, one of these four empires, uh, known as the Seleucid Empire, is led by an emperor called Antiochus Epiphanes IV. Funny name, Antiochus Epiphanes IV. And in the second century, he went and declared himself ruler of the Jews in Israel. And he set himself up as their commander and their leader. And it caused what's known as the Maccabean Revolt, where uh, the Maccabees family, famous um, sort of heroic leaders from amongst Israel, rose up to try and uh, shirk off the yoke of the oppressive Seleucid Empire. Uh, this came to a head uh, in these sort of, um, again, apocalyptic occurrences where Antiochus Epiphanes IV tried to erect a statue of himself in the Holy of Holies in the Jerusalem Temple. He was resisted. Uh, the Maccabees won, and that is commemorated in the Feast of Hanukkah that some of you will have heard of from uh, 164, 165 BCE. So, verse 25, he will destroy many, take a stand against the Prince of Princes, against God, yet he will be destroyed, but not by human power. God's power will overcome him. So this vision that Daniel has is about the next few hundred years of uh, history in that region. And it was a great comfort uh, when it was rediscovered and popularized in the second century as the Jewish people were feeling oppressed and overwhelmed by these evil, abominable rules. That's part of the point of apocalyptic literature, be it in Daniel, be it when we read Revelation, is to remind us that however awful things are in the world in which we live, God will overcome. We have to take a stand as well, and as Freya reminded us, our, our job is not just to sit back and say, well, God's in control, so let's wait and do nothing. We have to continue to uh, bear witness to the compassion, the love, the grace, the justice uh, that Jesus has revealed to us. But we do have confidence that this is not the end. God will overcome. And so we get to the end of the passage, and the thought I want to leave us with terrifying and awful though this vision was. Daniel says he was exhausted and lay ill for several days and I know that some people have spent the last week feeling a little ill and depressed. Others haven't, but some have. But then, verse 27, I got up and went about the king's business. What are we called to do in the face of evil, in the face of oppression, in the face of injustice? What are we uh, invited to do? How do we respond? We are invited to get up and go about the king's business. We go about the king's business because that's the only way we know how. As Christians, we are called to follow the way of the king of kings, Jesus Christ. And his business is peace. His business is forgiveness. His business is grace. It's mercy. It's love. His business is compassion. His business is empathy. The challenge to us this day and every day is not to be overwhelmed by the world as it is, but to be animated and inspired and empowered by the life of the world to come that we have seen inaugurated in Jesus. The challenge for us today and every day is not to overcome evil with evil, but to overcome evil with good, as St. Paul puts it in Romans 12. So let's get up and go about the king's business. However exhausted 
ill, sick, depressed we may feel, there is one way that has been revealed to us to be good, and that is the way of Christ. Should we pray? Father, we are reminded that the days in which we live are not the only days through history in which people have felt overwhelmed by uh, evil or injustice. They are not the only days in which people have been confused about uh, rulers and authorities, what is godly and what is not. These are not the only days in which people have felt um, bewildered and depressed by the life of the world as it is. And just as you have encouraged your people in days gone by, so too we pray that you would encourage us today. Strengthen us with your spirit. And may we follow the example of Daniel, that we get up and go about your business. So we bring before you in the silence of our hearts those um, areas of our life and our work and our relationships where we feel as though there are struggles, struggles that overwhelm us, and cause us to feel exhausted or depressed. And we pray that you would overcome those struggles, that you would give us the strength to get up and go about your business. We bring our lives before you now. And Lord Jesus, we pray that you would inspire us by your spirit to go about your business. And uh, as we draw into winter months, may we have uh, an, an eye and a hand to act with compassion for those who are homeless or hungry at this time of year especially, to look out for those who are suffering uh, the effects of poverty, those who are vulnerable. May we also be attentive to those who are poor in spirit, those for whom stress and anxiety uh, dominate their lives, whether they have material wealth or not. May we be ready to speak and to act with compassion and grace. We ask this in your precious name. Amen. As we join our prayers together. As